think we are on. Okay. Uh, COVID first episode of the uh, COVID nineteen uh, quarantine pod BN. I've got my makeshift pod BN studio set up. It is appropriately decorated over there. Um, and I want to welcome Jamie and Kelly Matthew to uh, to come and chat about their experiences with things. Thanks for getting on with me today, guys. Good morning. Absolutely. So uh, I. I'm glad you guys wanted to come talk to me because you have been hit in a lot of different ways with this from your different um, businesses and uh, professions and community involvement and stuff. So I just wanted to hear about what your experiences have been and how you've been holding up. So where do you want to start? You want to start with Red Raccoon and Decorators Grocery? Sure, we can start there. Yeah. So are those... uh, have you had to totally shut those down at this point? Uh, yeah, Red Raccoon is definitely considered a non-essential business. So we shut it down on the, the, the last day that the governor said that we could be open, which was uh, that Saturday at 5 p.m. Um, you know, we everybody in the community knew what was happening. So um, we had a really good day of sales that day. And then we, you know, closed the door and, uh, took all the money out of the place and deposited in the bank and took the valuable stuff out of there and secured it and, and, uh, you know, kind of did everything. It was really a weird experience of, you know, the, the exact opposite of opening a business is going through and unplugging everything. And okay, what do we do about, is there any food in the soda cooler that for anybody's lunches and worrying about the stuff? Cause we didn't know when we were going to be there again next. So it was a really surreal experience, and uh, I can say that uh, I didn't have a great day. So very, it was kind of emotional. So it was. Yeah, the decorators grocery. We started slowing things down. Most of my staff were in their 60s and 70s, so um, I they didn't feel safe working, and I didn't want them working. So we scaled back hours for the week before the governor's mandate went into effect. Um, We did a lot of curbside delivery type things at that time. And then on the Saturday of, I don't even remember what the date was at this point, but that Saturday we closed at noon. Um, And very similar to to Red Raccoon, whereas we've, you know, turned the heat way down and put things away and then kind of locked it down for some hibernation, for lack of a better word, I suppose. Tyson, you don't want to hear this, but we can't hear you at all. Okay, that worked now? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay. I get, I get to understand why you guys weren't responding to what I was saying. Um, so do you have any perishable stock there at all? Was that much of a concern? It's really not. Um, most of our product has a shelf life of over a year. So, um you know, the difference being is we're just not bringing in a whole lot of new stock. So everything's kind of just in a holding pattern. But we were we we made sure that anything that was perishable, we I, I gave to people so they could use it and enjoy okay. it. So those two are those two are just 100 percent shut down now. You're not trying to do any kind of supplemental operations or anything like well, that. There was, there was a clarification last week 
from the governor's office that said basically that small retail operations could have one person go in and pack things up to ship stuff that was sold online. So um, at this point, both of our businesses are doing limited sales of stuff online and, um, you know, we have to ship everything. It, um, I've asked for clarification from the governor's office. If one person can go in and pack stuff up and ship it, can one person deliver stuff locally around town? It seems to me that fewer hands would be touching product if that's what we're concerned about. And, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the big box stores are, you know, considered essential because they have food in them, but that doesn't stop them from selling everything else in their stores either. So it's kind of a little bit of a double standard, it seems like. And, but we're both trying to follow the rules and trying to, you know, this is the rules that have been laid out and we're supposed to, we're trying to work within those rules. So, yeah. So, um, I assume most of the people who are, most of your employees are just out of a paycheck at this point, effectively now, huh? I'll let him talk. I'll be right back. Go ahead. Well, so, uh, not necessary, not true for the, the game store. Um, you know, we, when we started working on, um, when we closed down, my only full-time employee is Jesse. He's the store manager and he's a salaried employee. So he's still getting paid. We had been working towards having a website available for the store anyway. And so Jesse has just been working from home on the store website. And then once we got the clarification, we could actually sell stuff online. He helped me finish getting that up and running. We weren't planning on launching the website until like, you know, sometime this fall, hoping to have it ready for the Christmas season. And we stood it up now and it's not pretty and it's not perfect and there's broken links and everything, but the store part of it actually works okay. The just okay. everything that's non-essential to the store is completely broken. So, so Jesse's working from home. A couple of my part-timers are still working. They're also helping put pictures and product descriptions on the store. You know, we have about 8,600 products in the store. Wow. And um, every single one of those needs a picture attached to it, right? Every different color of paint and every different type of paintbrush and every different model kit. So so I've got three people that are still working on, out of my staff. Um, and uh, the rest of them, everybody was offered hours if they wanted to work, but the rest of them have chosen not to. They All the rest of them are part-timers that already have full-time jobs somewhere else. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Man, I bet that what I said before, but I was on mute. You, you probably spend like a significant portion of your time there. I mean, that stores a lot of of yourself, right? So I can imagine that putting it in shutdown mode was. Is this the first time you've had to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I I on any given week. I don't know the like the vacation weeks are 60 hours and then there's regular weeks, you know? So, um, it, it, I usually have to force myself to not go in on Sundays and take one day off during the week. And so, uh, that first week of not going to the store, um, I think I went in once to pick up a paintbrush and I, that was the only time I was in there for the whole week. That was a very surreal experience. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm sure you don't want to share like details for both of the businesses, but I mean, now that things are closed down through April, are you like, do you have, at what point do you start getting concerned about being able to reopen? Like if this goes through May or like, do you have a sense of where that is for you? So the decorators grocery is kind of a unique beast in, in the fact that we're incredibly seasonal. Um, we have a really, really strong uh, sale uh, surge in October, November, and December. And the rest of the year kind of um, just goes along. Uh, and we've done things since it opened in 1977. It, it's been a, a long, around for a really long time. But we've done things to kind of supplement those things. All that's to say, um, because of our situation of being so seasonal, and we had a great November, October, December coming up, I think that although this is inconvenient and 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 not great for our business, we'll be able to to last the long haul. Um, but again, I also have you know pretty low overhead. I have um, very few employees. It's a it's a kind of a unique business compared to to something like Red Raccoon. Yeah, and and Red Raccoon, uh, we were saving up in order to do some interesting things later this year with the store. <laughs> and so that savings is disappearing. Um, you know, we're, if everything reopens in, by June, we are good. If we start getting into July, then I start getting really, really concerned at that point. Right. So, um, but I, again, I think that because we were, you know, in a saving mode to save up for some other stuff, that's what's going to make it better there is, is, and, and I don't know that every business had been doing that, right? I had been um, purposely not taking money uh, out of the store that probably was what should have been my paycheck in order to, to save up and, and not even being aware that this was going to happen. It completely caught everybody off guard. Yeah. Uh, um, but, by contrast, you could have just made those big investments. It could have come. I'm sure that there are businesses in town who have just made big capital investments who uh, yeah. aren't in that situation. So yeah, nobody knew. I mean, so it, it caught, it, it happened so fast. I was, I had gone to a game industry trade show in Reno, Nevada and from the time that I flew out on Sunday and then when I got back on Friday, the entire world had changed and we were all there at the trade show. It was probably the last major trade show that happened in the United States. And we were all there going, should we all be in the same room together at this point? Should we be staying away from each other? I mean, that one week, I bet you I washed my hands two or three hundred times every time I touched a doorway or a hallway or an elevator button, you know. Yeah. I was in a similar place the first week of March. I was in Atlanta to meet a vendor for work. And so we're just shaking all kinds of people's hands and staying in hotels. And I just was, um, we actually landed and then State Farm announced an hour after we landed that they were canceling all travel in March. So we were like, well, we assume that means we can come back. Right. So, but (laughs) we had to all kind of verify that. Um, But yeah, it was like, it was weird to figure out it went from like just being oh well this is the annual like media getting worked up about some disease somewhere thing to all of a sudden like a very very surreal situation yeah 
Um, so, so the the other uh, other way you guys are getting hit here is with school being closed, right, Kelly? Correct. So, um, uh, my my son being in your class, we've been seeing a lot of things you've still been doing to um, to connect. I'm sure partially to help the kids, but also partially just to help yourself <laughs> get through everything. I run very much on routines and I do really well when I have a lot to get done and, and pretty much every facet of all of the things that make my life run stopped very, very, very quickly. And so uh, early on, I realized that I needed and with some prompting of parents, right? Um, everybody saw those memes when this all started, like we're going to find out what homeschooling looks like real, real quickly for a lot of parents. Um, and it's not that parents don't know how to do it. It's just they've they haven't done it. And so um, I was comfortable with a couple of different platforms and I just kind of started up right away. Yeah. Uh, so clearly I know what you're doing, but just for, for people listening or watching, can you, can you share how you've been connecting with the kids? Sure. Um, so I kind of reversed the math curriculum that I've been working on in the morning for third graders. Um, and so I just do a Facebook live video and, and before I left, as all the other teachers were, you know, we got very little notice with all of this, as as did everyone. But I went and I made digital copies of the entire math curriculum. So uh, I started using that uh, by doing math lessons on a Facebook Live platform uh, in the mornings and then kind of developed more things. And then I teach for fourth grade math uh, in the evenings. And then I'm reading Harry Potter out loud, thanks to J.K. Rowling releasing copyright uh laws for teachers to read aloud to their students at night. So, oh, I didn't know she had done that. Yes. Um, oh, she started okay. doing that after I started, but um, <laughs> I, I figured that that was um, no, who was going to come after a fourth grade teacher reading Harry Potter to her students. Yeah. Um, I started about two weeks ago. I started Zoom meetings for the students to just come together and meet. Some teachers are using them as an educational platform, but I really think that the social component, especially this year, I have a lot of students that are um, that need that interaction. And my classroom doesn't run on technology at all. Um, so this was a huge swing for me. And I look at those Zoom meetings as an opportunity. We use the technology to communicate, but we're not using the technology beyond beyond giving us a window in each other's lives. So yeah, yeah. My son is like me, where he's very extroverted and this is like kryptonite for us. So we just slowly see our like energy levels winding down the more that we're isolated. Um, and so, yeah, he really values those, those morning check-ins with his, uh, with his crew there. Yep. And then, um, yeah. It's and then in those videos, they're just, they, they can barely contain themselves. It's like bottled energy. Yeah. We also found, um, I didn't know that there was a messenger for kids, like a Facebook messenger for kids where you can connect through your parents' accounts. And so a lot of, um, we found that out and a lot of my my boys' friends and them have been able to connect where they can do like some rudimentary messaging back and forth. And it allows them to play real simple, silly games with each other. And even my five-year-old who can't, who can't uh, write, he doesn't know how to speak, you know, write anything yet, doesn't know how to read or write, but they can still send like emojis and videos and stuff back to each other. So oh, nice. they've been able to to keep in touch that way directly too. That's very valuable for them. Yeah. Awesome. Well and yeah. a lot of a lot of places like libraries are making a ton of resources available for free as well. So 
I think yeah. that's helping. And um, we see a lot of parents that are out there sharing, like, look what I just found. This kept my kids entertained for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's something with um, we're big library supporters here. And that's something that we've been reflecting on that when times are good, then you start getting these questions of like, well, why do you have a library? Why do you spend all this money on these things? And but now a lot of the things that the library has, like even the Wi-Fi that you can use from the parking lot um, or a lot of the online materials and the digital materials that they have um, are coming in really handy now. Nice to see. And now you can get your library card online. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, Rhonda, Rhonda Massey let me know that uh, last week. So you yeah. can you can actually get a library card online. So it's not like, well, I don't have a library card now. I can't access the library. They've they've adapted to allow people to get them from where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I use the library to listen to audiobooks. So I uh, while I'm going around the house and cleaning and tidying and or doing dishes or whatever I'm doing, I listen to audiobooks from the library that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so going back to school real quick, the, uh, now we've started e-learning days. So now it's, we're fully supposed to be doing homeschool quote unquote. Um, what's the, 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 if I, my wife's mostly running that, um, while I'm working, but is it, am I understanding right that now it's kind of like maintaining for this week and then building in the next week? They're really not sure. ISBE kind of quickly put together these standards. And as it sat prior, we were supposed to go back April 8th. That's been extended. The guidelines that we've been put forth from District 87 is just right now maintenance. Um, so from District 87, the timeline, we all met on Friday and or Monday, rather. And we're taking the next three days to communicate with parents to make sure that everybody is where they need to be and that we have correct contact information. And every teacher is putting together um, a remote learning packet. And those are either getting mailed or emailed going out on Friday or Monday, depending on uh, whether it's emailed or mailed. And everything is centered around maintaining skills. So the goal is uh, for parents to, or teachers to remember that, you know, there could be limited access to devices. So not to put a lot of uh, technology-based learning um, and things that don't require a lot of interaction with parents because a lot of parents are working. So these are really self-driven uh, maintenance of skills, a lot of, um, you know, things that they can do independently um, with or without help from an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I think going forward, that might change a little bit, but um, District 87 specifically has five remote learning uh, training days, institute days for teachers that they're working really hard to um, get information to teachers as it goes. And those are scheduled um, like once every 10 days or once every eight days, just to kind of keep us on the same track. So as of right now, it's maintenance. And I don't know going forward if it's going to be um, actual learning, actual yeah. new content learning. Okay. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this, going back to how fast this all happened, is, you know, District 87, um, every fourth, third, fourth, and fifth grader in the district has a laptop. But this all happened so fast that the teachers didn't even, nobody even knew to send the laptops home with all the kids. Oh, yeah. So 
So the governor made the announcement after all of the students were loaded on buses and on their way home throughout the state of Illinois, which was a safety thing, right? I mean, everybody, there were plenty of people who complained about that, but it wasn't mass hysteria. Kids were already on their way home on the regular routines. We knew that everybody was getting to where they needed to be in the safest way possible. So um, there are pros and cons of every decision that you make and when you decide to make them. And that just happened to be where we were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the big things at first was trying to make sure that people were taken care of who relied on school lunches and breakfasts. Um, I saw some organizations around town pulling together with that. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that, Kelly? Sure. Well, District 87 is providing meals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, When this all came down through the backpack program through Midwest Food Bank, all the schools get um, food distributed to them to send home with uh, students at the end of the week on Fridays. And usually what would happen is um, school, the district would get a delivery, the schools would get all of that food uh, delivered to them through our district van, and then teachers and schools and volunteers would distribute that to every student that that got it uh, on Fridays. Well, when this all happened, we didn't know that we weren't going to be in school. So a lot of the schools took all of their food and delivered all of those packets uh, for a month's worth of food to those families. So that oh, wow. was kind of step one, which didn't get a lot of, of press because schools kind of just did it. It's kind of one of the things that a lot of the the schools within this district and this community do. They just get things done. So that was kind of the first the first round of of making sure that there was food that kids could prepare themselves. Um, District 87 has kept all of the food service workers working through all of this. And like I said, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're distributing <clears throat> food at Sheridan and at the high school. And every teacher in District 87 is contacting parents to make sure that they have access to food and access to all the resources they need this week. That's one of the components we're doing for these remote learning days. Um, and then there are different organizations throughout town that are are picking up foods. There's a group that keep Blono f- Kids Blono. They all have different feedblonokids.org or something. I and think they're they're up to eight different sites where they provide lunches. I know that there are restaurants in town that are providing food to a lot of the different schools. I know the United Way just took over one of the newest campaigns to make sure that kids have lunches. So, um, and that's changing all the time. All the the different organizations seeing a need, they're popping up all over. But District 87 specifically is still providing meals twice a week, breakfast and lunch um, for every student under up to 18 years old um, at those two spots. Okay. Um. Any other major school stuff come to mind or things about that experience that's surprised or shocked you? I think District 87 specifically is in a really good place. They didn't, you know, nobody wanted this to happen and nobody was prepared for this to happen. But, you know, with the technology, we've we've had some new people, Diane Wolf specifically, um, she's kind of versed us all really, really well in using Zoom to connect with each other as colleagues. And we've been able to do it for the last three quarters of the year. So implementing that to keep in contact with one another and also to set that up with students, we were so ahead of the curve because it was just a medium that we were really, really f- comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really fortunate that we have such a, a strong technological base in District 87. Jim Peterson does a great job of kind of keeping everything going. And, and you know, as small of a district as we are comparatively, we're, we're leading uh, 
a lot of the districts in the state of how to get things done to meet the needs of students. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, trying to use technology to have meetings, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, was city council experiences. Uh, we try to keep this a family friendly podcast, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you what your real feelings were about not working out on the first night. But um, I guess from from your vantage point, how was uh, I guess for for people who don't follow it, there was uh, supposed to be a meeting. Uh, that was virtual, but that didn't end up working out. So you were able to have a redo a few days later. But um, kind of, what was the what was that looking like behind the scenes for you, Jamie? Well, the, what the what the problem was is there. Um, uh, well, I, I guess there's multiple problems. How about that? But the 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 underlying problem from it all is that we spent. Um, you know, 10 years with a city manager who considered IT as administrative overhead that should be squashed and the budget should be reduced as much as possible for for every given reason, right? And and nothing got, uh, nothing was moving forward. So um, for those people that listen to your podcast that, that know what I'm about to say, um, up until when Tim Gleason got hired, we were using Lotus Notes and Lotus Mail for our email system inside of the city, which mm -hmm. when I got elected and found that out, I was completely flabbergasted because IBM discontinued that in like 2009 or something like that. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so our technology inside of the city is not where I would like it to be. And I think that there are still a bunch of places where we can do things to make um, workers more efficient. So that's kind of a, a citywide underlying problem. Um, but it's getting better, right? Because um, uh, did I just do something and break our call? Nope. Sorry. I got you're good. Oh, all right. I got a weird pop up where all of a sudden you're popping up in a second corner. Oh. All right. There we go. Sorry. Okay. So uh, that's a big underlying problem. The specific problem that we had um, with that council meeting is they were trying to make it so that we could call in um, remotely for those of us that weren't going to be at the council chambers and they were trying to make the council chambers work at the same time. So anybody who wanted to go sit in the council chambers, which was only the mayor, Tim Gleason and, and uh, council member Donna Boland were the only three uh, people that were really there. But people who wanted to go there and listen live, they wanted to try to make it so it worked online and in the council chambers at once. And the council chambers is designed with microphones so people can hear what's going on with microphones and speakers, which was causing a really nasty reverb cycle where it just kept reverbing over and over and over again. And it was to the point that when we were calling in, when I tried to say something, every word I said came back to me four times. And you, you, it, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but you can't even maintain a coherent sentence in your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you just keep hearing you're bombarded with your own sound over and over and over again. So we couldn't understand what was going on on the phone. They didn't, they weren't experiencing that in the council chamber. So they didn't know what we were talking about. And I was just trying to get them to mute every microphone that wasn't somebody actually talking at the time. And, uh, and finally, you know, the, and IT, 
also was they were given a half an hour to figure it out, right? To, to make this meeting work. So, um, so I'm not faulting our IT guys for doing everything and they're possible to try to stamp it out. When we rescheduled the meeting on Thursday, we went through a protocol where every microphone and every phone person calling in was kept muted unless it was your time to, to speak. Mm-hmm. So we did figure out what we needed to do to hold the meeting. Um, and we successfully had a, a emergency meeting on last Thursday. And then I think that we're we're going to be able to do that the same going forward for all future meetings until this all gets resolved, too. Okay. So um, a lot of people did not want to use video for the meeting, for the Zoom meeting. Um, and um, for various reasons, I think that but the next step is I would like to see us use Zoom and use uh, video as well. Because I think it helps people if they can see who's talking and what's going on. And there's a lot of things in facial um, cues that you can see what's going on that helps you interpret what people are saying better. And so I would like to see us get to add video into it. But, you know, it's better to have some meeting than no meeting, I guess. Yeah, that's what the county board did. They did a Zoom meeting with all, you know, 85 members or however many they have. Um, so should be able to be uh, to work out as long as there was a public interaction option, I guess. Yeah, um, we took yeah. we took public comments by having we let people email them in for the you know, the uh, the governor passed a bunch of new rules that allowed for us to have e-meetings and it allowed for uh, electronic public comments, which we've never been able to do before. So. There's there's some good things, you know, if there's a silver lining in this is is advancing some of the rules around public meetings into the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I've I've been thinking about a lot of like work from home arrangements or telework arrangements that this might be something learnings that we keep to help um, move us forward in this regard, because right now, if someone can't be at a meeting physically, it's very hard for them to call in and be a part of the meeting. Yeah. Um, we have that on planning commission. We never even try to call in, but then we'll have attendance and quorum issues because if somebody's, you know, got to travel for work or family commitment or something, then right. there's not a way for them to participate, even if they're available at that time. Right. Well, and I, th- I think we can make some long-term changes to our code to allow every one of our commission meetings to work this way, you know, We've for city council, we've had a call in phone number um, that I've been able to use when I'm traveling for work. And that works just fine, except for there's no video component to it. So anytime there's a council meeting that involves a presentation of any sort, um, you can't see that presentation. You can watch the YouTube stream, but the YouTube stream is about three minutes delayed from what's really happening. So then you've got that dissonance again of, um, you're you're listening to the real-time conversation, but then you're watching the YouTube stream that's three minutes lagged behind. So people are asking questions about screenshots that you've never even seen yet. Yeah. If, if we can get all this worked out and just use something like a Zoom or a you know, GoToMeeting or whatever the platform is and actually participate in real-time and see the presentations in real-time as they're happening, I think that's a much better solution for everybody. Yeah. Yep. Well, good. Yeah. Good learnings. And yeah, I've definitely had that reverb happen quite a bit at work. We usually call it going back in time. Um, at least on my team, um, it sounds yeah. like someone, if somebody, uh, doesn't 
mute their laptop properly, then all of a sudden we're going back in time. Um, yeah. So uh, the I don't want to um, I don't know that we need to dig in too much to the emergency ordinance, but that was kind of a um, that was kind of a a thing for a while too, trying to make sure to strike the right balance of powers in there. Um, well, I think there were some people that were fear mongering. Um, I think that there were some people that were rightly concerned and being reasonable about it. And, you know, just so everybody knows what we're talking about in the emergency powers for the city of Bloomington, if an emergency is declared, it says that the mayor has the ability to call for um, cease of sales on guns, ammunition, gasoline, a uh, whole bunch of different stuff that's in there. Um, I actually tried to do some digging to find out why that stuff is in there. Um, and nobody's sure why it just got passed. There must've been some statewide or a federal push because it got passed in, in 1981 with almost no conversation about why it was being put into the emergency code. Almost every city in Illinois has the same things in their code, which is why maybe, um, you know, you and I have speculated that maybe there was some sort of a push to get these things added in. I, I can't tell you why, unless it was something to do with the, you know, Cold War scare or something. I mean, 1981, there wasn't really a whole lot happening that I can think of in the world other than the, the, the Cold War with Russia. But everybody has all these same provisions in their city codes. And, um, you know, like I said, there was there were people in town that were definitely fear mongering that this was um, people trying to take away their guns. And I said, read the code. It doesn't say we can take away your guns. It says we can stop the sale of new guns for 48 hours. It doesn't say anything about anybody being able to go back and take your guns. So calm, calm down. Um, but uh, but there was other people like you who were pointing out logical things like, is this still relevant? You know, we discover things in the code um, that's been evolving for, you know, 60 something years at this point. We discover things all the time that we look at it and go, why is that even still in there? Can we take that out now? It's no longer relevant. You know, we found things in the code that we cleaned up when I first got elected that had to do with telegraphs. So yeah. uh, there's we actually just in the recent um, zoning ordinance update, we took out some telegraph operator stuff that was still lingering around in the zoning code. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I and I think we struck a balance at that meeting where we 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 appeased the fear mongers and we appeased we struck a good balance where we were able to make it so that the the mayor and the city manager could do their jobs in in this situation, and um, and then we're we're going to circle back around and we're going to look at that code long term and we're going to determine what needs to be there and what doesn't need to be there, and um, you know there's maybe one of the things is make three different sections of the code that that cover three different types of emergencies. And so we can enact the code under, you know, section 12, paragraph A for natural disaster, paragraph B for civil emergencies and paragraph C for pandemics, right? And mm -hmm. maybe, that, maybe that's one way that's been speculated to say, we'll put different powers in place for different situations that might occur. Yeah. The overall purpose of this emergency ordinance you passed, though, was to make sure that business could continue, even if there were some logistical constraints due to the pandemic, right? That what is that a is that appropriate summary of what was? 
Yeah, I, one of the concerns is um, one of the concerns is what happens if um, a bunch of the people on the city council or the mayor get sick, right? And we don't have a quorum. Uh, you know, with the way that COVID nineteen works, I mean, after traveling, I self isolated, never went to city hall when I got back because, you know, I was on the plane ride back from. Uh, coming back from Dallas to Bloomington and sitting next to an older gentleman who was hacking and coughing the entire flight. And in my head, all that was going through my head was, oh, God, I'm totally going to have it after sitting next to this guy on the plane. <laughs> and so I didn't want to go anywhere near City Hall and risk possibly infecting the entire Bloomington staff, right, and or other council members. But I, I think that's a big concern. The emergency ordinance says, Okay, we defined a chain of command for the city manager to the uh, deputy city manager, and if both of them got sick, to corporate council. And then we also defined how it would work if we couldn't even get enough city council members who were healthy to actually have a full meeting. We made it so that the city manager could um, do some emergency negotiating with our um, unions if he needed to in a situation to get us through whatever might be going on. Uh, we made it so bills could get paid and contracts could be filled because the city is a major economic driver inside of the community. And if we shut down city spending at the city, it's going to hurt a lot of businesses and a lot of people. And if if employees aren't getting paid, then they're not going to be able to take that money. They're not going to be able to shop and go get groceries and make their mortgage payments and things of that nature. There's going to be a ripple effect that stems all the way down from that city budget. So all of those types of operations are now safe. Um, and we're, we declared it for uh, 28 days. So until the last week of April, all that stuff is safe and is going to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good to see. No, I, I thought it, I was I was very happy with the approach that you guys took. I thought that it was uh, wise to assure people that those those strange provisions weren't going to get put in place, but there needed to be a little bit more agility to act in these times yeah. in different weird situations. So, um, so yeah, I know a lot of work went into that at a time when you were trying to cope with uh, you and others were trying to cope with a lot of uncertainty. So, um, yeah. so appreciate yeah. that. Multiple people in city council, I mean, are watching, you know, are trying to, you know, as an example of council member Kim Bray, um, she works, um, her job is disaster management, right? And disaster response for a, um, a large insurance provider. <laughs> and um, so she's been, you know, working as hard as she can. And she's actually been stuck in South Carolina trying to figure out how to get back to Illinois because, um, you know, how to safely get back here when everything's shut down and she doesn't want to be a carrier of vehicle to move the COVID-19 uh, virus as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of people doing a lot of work behind the scenes for their jobs, plus trying to deal with the city council and what we've got to do there, too. So, yeah, yeah, it keeps life interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, was Kelly still around? I had kind of one last question. as both of you guys. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm curious, I'm curious about, um, you know, one of the hard things is being, being isolated and not having your same, you know, social circles and, you know, work aside everything. So I just, I'm curious about how you guys are still trying to stay connected or if you see 
others around you like finding unique and interesting ways to connect and still uh ha you know have those relationships <laughs> with our friends and family we're really fortunate that we live uh fairly close to a couple of good friends so we all take turns doing walks around <laughs> uh several blocks and then take selfies of ourselves in front of their houses um we've had <laughs> conversations where people have been out on their porch so we've stayed on the sidewalk and as we've been walking we've been able to see them we do something called the tuesday night dinner and a small we used to it was a bunch of us who didn't have children and we do a potluck at our house and we've been doing it for years so we're doing uh those via zoom meetings which um helps quite a bit we played a, a board game via a yeah. Zoom meeting with some friends. We did an escape room game oh, with okay. the camera pointed straight down so that it was always on the board. And then everybody was called in and they were like, move that one this way so I could see what it says a little better and shift that picture <laughs> over here. And, you know, Kelly's that called mom on FaceTime every night so that she can see her mom and talk to her mom a little bit. You mm -hmm. had a D&D game for like five hours last night. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole lot of Dungeons and Dragons being played over Zoom meetings right now. So um, okay. I played my my crew normally gets together once a month, and we played last night over Zoom. So uh, that was fun, and it was yeah. it was good to just you know everybody needed a little bit of a break from dealing with um, some of the zaniness that we're living in right now. I'd be very interested to see the statistics of the number of text messages that are happening <laughs> in the month of March and April. You know, I mean, I'm sure that Verizon and Sprint are all keeping track of that. It would be interesting to compare that to every other month. I'd be interested because I think a lot of people are using that as a. I would like to see how many puzzles have gotten done. Life <laughs> yeah, I so. saw some impressive puzzles on Facebook from you guys, too. So. Yep. Yeah, we we've we've only finished one so far, but um, people text me at the game store all the time, like, "Look what we just did," you know. And so I get all these puzzles that they've completed, and and um, you know, sometimes I'm like, "I didn't sell you that one," but it's okay because they're having fun, <laughs> they're doing puzzles, and and um, we've been uh, so we've when we started shipping stuff, a lot of almost I'd say probably 75% of what we ship so far have been puzzles. Oh, interesting. People okay. Are, yeah, people are really getting in the puzzles right now. It's like there's a puzzle uh, resurgence. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. We have a uh, I have a board game group that I go to every Thursday evening, and uh, we found some apps of games that we play, um, so we can play them on our iPads, and it's not as much fun because you're not kind of chatting and talking to each other. Yeah. You want to say hi, Asa? Uh, Hi, Asa. I haven't seen your face. How are you? you Asa, I haven't seen your face. How are you? Good. Oh, you look really good. Have you lost any teeth yet? Nope. Nope. Are you getting along with your brothers? Well, not very good. <laughs> not, not so much. No, but did you eat any of Eli's muffins? Were they delicious? Yep. It's supposed to go in the window, in the window, and then, and I poked holes in it. The sun will come through it, 
and it's gonna look very cool. I've already, I've already done it, but I'm just gonna bring it up to show Dad. Which mirror, are, which window are you putting it out of? Well, I'm gonna put it on my window, but I'm, but I'm gonna show Dad. Great. Oh, you need the tape. Okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> There's the tape. Here you go. So we, we now know how your family's keeping busy during the COVID-19. Yeah, we've been doing a thing where we decorate our windows in different ways. So when people are walking by, then they can see um, they can see decorations and things. So, um, so that's kind of fun, too. And then, um, yeah, the, you know, playing the games together is fun. But the way we're doing it is we since it's just through an app, we don't get that kind of ability to talk to each other too. So it's not quite filling the same need, but it's still fun to, you know, interact with some people. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are just, they're playing the game online, but they're using Skype or zoom or something like that to talk to each other while they're playing. Yeah. That's what we were. We were just talking about next time we might be able to do something like that. So, yeah. well, there's a lot of cool board games out there. So I've, I've picked up a few that I'm, I just see it as my responsibility to stimulate the economy. So <laughs> I, uh, I grabbed Catan from your shop before it closed. And, um, so I'd encourage other people to, uh, you know, take this opportunity to, to get into some new board games or some, uh, some baking, uh, activities if they want check you guys out online, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Well, it sounds like you've got a mostly unplayed copy of Catan Jr. as well. Yep, yep. Although um, Susan has started playing that with them now, it's more. I'm. It was a little too easy for me, but she's she's enjoyed that. So um, so I'm trying to keep it pristine though, so I can put it up on the used shelf whenever uh, whenever your shop opens back up. So. <laughs> Yeah, I kept trying to find ways to make it harder. Like, I kept adding rules. I was like, well, now you can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Well, uh, well, uh, good luck to you guys. Hope you are uh, hope you got enough room there that you're able to, uh, you know, not get sick of each other after so much time together. And, um, and uh, you can be thankful. I, I think it's probably easier to hunker down without kids. But, uh probably not as interesting i would say so definitely not as interesting our cats are very uh confused as to why we're here all the time <laughs> yeah all right um well uh before i stop i just want to thank our podcast sponsors uh play normal esports bre law and normal gadgets um i think there's there's Normal Gadgets is still open for your uh, broken cell phone and device needs and also cell phone cleaning. So um, if, if anyone needs to get their cell phone professionally clean, they know what they're doing there. And uh, I actually don't know if BRE law offices are open, but give them a call if you need anything. They'll probably get back to you on the phone. So. All right, guys. Good luck. I'll see you tonight for uh, for Mathy Math and uh, for Harry Potter. Are we on the second to last chapter then? Is that where we are? We are on the second to last chapter. We're going to be done tomorrow, and then we'll start Harry Potter number two on Friday. I was going to say, uh, Neil Gaiman actually released the rights to any all of his books and works as well for anybody that wants to read. You know, he's got a lot of cool kids' books like Coraline and stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah, we're sticking with Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks guys. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.